Good morning, everyone. We are in Matthew 3, and we begin to get introduced to Jesus in this chapter. It's going to be interesting to see how we work through these chapters in the New Testament with so much, so much importance and rich theology regarding Jesus. And uh, I guess we'll have to see how detailed that we're going to cover it week by week. One of my challenges is trying to teach the scriptures, but also trying to do it devotionally. Meaning when I do a devotion in the morning and read the Bible, I don't necessarily always try to glean every bit of truth out of every chapter. I tend to kind of look for like what what's God raising to my attention? What does God want to teach me this morning? What seems to be elevated or highlighted as I read? And many times I will I will focus on that and you know, I, I just continue reading through the Bible, so the next time I read through it, and perhaps something else is highlighted. But I also feel like I want to do it justice, and you know, and teach what um, the chapter is saying. So we'll see how it goes. Um, hey, Matthew chapter three. So we first get introduced to John the Baptist, and John the Baptist, as it says in verse three, was the one prophesied by Isaiah to come to prepare the way of the, the Lord, to make his path straight. And it, you might recall if we were reading Luke's account, we would learn about John the Baptist being the cousin of Jesus and being born just before Jesus through Zechariah and Elizabeth. And you might remember Elizabeth and Mary um, meeting each other while they were, or not meeting for the first time, but coming together while they were both pregnant and celebrating the babies that were in their wombs. Um, but John began to preach out in the wilderness, and he was baptizing people. Now, that's interesting. And, you know, we could really get complex in this because think about this. Matthew is writing this in the church age and in the gospel era, meaning he wrote this after Jesus' death and resurrection. The church age had begun. Pentecost had happened. Uh, Jesus had died for our sins and been raised from the dead. The good news had been fully proclaimed and the testimony of Jesus fully witnessed by the time he wrote it. However, we're reading about a time where that's not in its fullness yet. That sometimes brings up some interesting questions, right, in interpretation. So um, we... We have to read knowing that Matthew knows the gospel, but yet the gospel's not fully unleashed at that time. So sometimes discerning how Matthew wants us to interpret that can be a little bit challenging. Um, so as an example, when in verse 6, it says that John, they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. You know, later on in the book of Acts, we'll learn that some people had come to faith in Jesus later and had been baptized by John the Baptist's baptism. And the Apostle Paul will say, hey, you need to get baptized in the name of Jesus because being baptized by John was a Jewish baptism, a good one. I mean, they were acknowledging the kingdom of heaven is at hand, as we read in verse 2, meaning let's get our lives right. Let's live for the kingdom of God. And John was like introducing that this is going to be a special time in history and soon 
where Jesus is going to be introduced and we should turn from our sin, we should confess our sin, we should we should come into the light of God and live righteously before God. All of these were symbolized in John's baptism, but yet it wasn't a full gospel believing immersion yet because Jesus hadn't died for our sins. So he's he's preparing people for it though. In verse 7, when John saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism. Now these people, you know, as we will learn later on, were they posed much difficulty for Jesus because they were so set in, although different sects, Pharisees and Sadducees, both Jews who had some different beliefs, but were really focused on maintaining their Judaism. And when Jesus began introducing changes that were upcoming to Judaism and coming to faith in him as Messiah and the changes that would make to the church and introducing eventually Gentiles to the faith and all that, they struggled with the change. And John already knowing that and, and knowing sometimes they were so focused on the outside of the man instead of the inside of the man. They were so focused on following law of the Old Testament, but yet their lives really weren't changed. And and like Jesus, John's going to come on them pretty strongly here, very strong. Listen to what he says. You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. And that's interesting. You know, the wrath to come, I mean, uh, that wrath to come could be if they don't come to Jesus and they die, they're going to experience hell and the wrath of God. It's also referring to really ultimately the second coming of Christ, which isn't going to come until much later. But Jesus is bringing that age upon in his coming. So who's telling you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, now listen to what this says. Therefore, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. You know, don't just rely on the fact that you're from Abraham's family. For I say to you that from these stones, God is able to raise up children to Abraham. And sure enough, you know, Gentiles have now, and, and John the Baptist has foreseen this, that now people who believe in Jesus, although that wasn't fully there yet, but soon, you know, uh, in three years' time, this is, you know, when Jesus is an adult, he's about to get baptized, his ministry is only going to last three years. So in three years, people who come to faith in Jesus are going to be children of Abraham. And actually, the Pharisees and Sadducees will be cut off if they don't embrace Jesus as the Messiah. And he's saying that he wants them to repent and and keep and bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Isn't that interesting? You know, uh, I want you to know that I when I have read through the Bible as many times as I have, I I'm not the only one. There are a lot of people who read through the Bible, but not everybody does, and not every preacher does, and not every person does. And I think it's given me a perspective that a lot of people don't have. When you see the whole story of God over and over again, and you know, we just went through Genesis, and he created us in his image and likeness, and he asked us to 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 be fruitful and multiply. And he told Abraham's family that he was going to multiply. And when Noah, you know, got off the ark, he said, I've made you in my image and likeness, be fruitful and multiply. 
God was faithful to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and making them a multitude of nations. And we see this concept of bearing fruit all over. Jesus, you know, on the last night of his life in John 15, uh, whoever believes in me, he will bear much fruit. I mean, it's just, I've seen it. I've seen it from cover to cover in the Bible that God wants us to live for him. And and every tree will be known by its fruit. We're going to see that later in this chapter. It, it, what's sad is that because of Reformed principles of we're saved by faith and not by works, what is true, but Reformed people almost don't even want to talk about bearing fruit because they feel like it's going to get mixed up in the gospel and somehow we're going to be uh, not receiving or understanding the gospel rightly because we're saying that you know you have to bear fruit or whatever. And yet the whole Bible is talking about the byproduct of the fact that we are born again is that we will repent and live new lives. And I get so frustrated in our world because when you don't have the proper concept that we are to live a transformed life, that God saved us to something, to live for him, to bear fruit, and that that's from cover to cover, it prevents you from getting mixed up. You know, God, yes, he saved me through faith in Jesus Christ and not through works. The only reason I got saved is because I placed faith in Jesus and I, I discovered what he did for me on that cross. But once that happened, God has a mission for my life that he wants us to live out. And if you'll just but see it, it's not a J thing. It's a Bible thing. It's a God thing. And here, even before the Gospels fully known to the Pharisees, he's saying, repent and bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Like, don't just tell me you believe and then not live for me. Like, I don't want to hear that. Like, I'm trying to make disciples who will be students, pupils, followers who will live live for me and, and, and serve my kingdom. Uh, do not suppose you can just rely on that you're, you have Abraham as your father. That'd be like, it'd be very similar because now through faith in Jesus, we you know, believe in Jesus. It's like, it'd be like saying, don't just rely on the fact that one time in your life you said, oh, I believe. And then that, like, that's it. Like, don't just make it like that because God didn't save you just to save you to be the same person you were. He's trying to transform us to live for him. Um, now listen, verse verse 10, the ax is already laid at the root of the tr the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I don't know why we've got to, like, um, <laughs> doctrinalize that to the point that we somehow don't take that in and throw it out. I, I just, I don't get it, you know. Um, read the word, take it in, take the whole thing in. We're saved by faith, but we're saved by faith to work. Go ahead and read Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, and, you know, obviously we're saved by faith through grace and not of works. This is not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. Yes, I know that. And not of works so that no one can boast. But God prepared us for good works ahead of time so that we would walk in walk in them. It's like we need the whole thing, right? Don't read Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 and not read, you know, verse 10, where his workmanship, which God created for good works, which he prepared ahead of time. Anyways. Um, it's one of my uh, big frustrations is when we focus on parts of the Bible that meet our 
doctrine and not take the whole thing. And I, I want you to know when you read the whole thing, it makes you want to take the whole thing. We're saved by grace through faith, but we're saved to live a transformed life and to live with the purpose of bearing fruit for God's kingdom. It's all in one. It's all one big snowball that we need to be wrapped up in for the glory of God. Verse 11, As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. And John's indicating here that this is not yet a full Christian baptism. Um, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor, and he will gather his wheat into the barn, and he will burn the chaff with unquenchable fire. You know, it, it's going to be church. It comes down to if you've accepted Jesus, if you're born again, those who are are going to heaven. Those who are not are going to hell. It's, it's, not, it's not a mystery. It's not unclear. Uh, those one day are going to be stored up in God's heavenly barn. And those who don't accept him are going to go with the chaff into unquenchable fire. And we can't, we can't like gloss over these things. Because this is what gives us the motivation to share the gospel. This is what the, the clarity of the gospel helps us to bear fruit. If we kind of soften and gloss over all these things, oh, I don't know, I guess everybody might be saved in the end, it just totally thwarts our motivation in knowing the clarity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, we're going to be in the barn of Jesus one day because we believe in him. I love barns, by the way. And we are not going to be part of the unquenchable fire of the chaff. Um, but people need Jesus, y'all. People need the gospel. Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answering said to him, Permit it at this time. For in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him, that is John, to baptize Jesus. After being baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending as a dove and lighting on him. And behold, a voice out of the heavens said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. God spoke up at the baptism of Jesus. And, you know, Jesus got baptized as an adult. You know, I'm so grateful that, you know, our church has baptized most of y'all. Uh, what's holding you back? If that's not enough to see right there, God literally opened his mouth and said, This is my beloved son. When Jesus got baptized, and you know what? We too, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, and we really get it, we understand it, we are to get baptized like Jesus. I don't care if you were baptized as an infant. Your parents did that. You didn't do that. You need to have your own faith. You can't ride on the coattails of your parents forever. We have to have 
and our own declaration of faith where we say, I am a believer in Jesus Christ. And you know what? Take pleasure and joy that when Jesus got baptized as an adult, God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And you know what? I believe that angels celebrate when we come to faith in Jesus and when we get baptized. And we might not hear God audibly, but I, I think we ought to enjoy and marvel at the fact that God is pleased and we really become his child when we place our faith in him. And the, the best way to symbolize our faith in him is biblically, the way it's revealed through the scriptures, is to be baptized. And I encourage you to not wait another week. I tell you what, I think we got water. Do we got water in that bin at church right now? Uh, you know, we could baptize you this week. If you if you have not been adult baptized as your own for your own faith in Jesus Christ, I pray that you would just follow through and honor the Lord and stop wrestling with it and just get in and, and die to your old ways and acknowledge the fact that Jesus rose from the dead and one day because you believe in him, you will rise too. Hallelujah. Let's 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 do this for the glory of God.